my greatest concern. My single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. Um, hi, Joe Biden. Nice to hear from you. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle From Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day. On the internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell and concerned fellow says me from bradblog.com. Yes, I am concerned about exactly what you heard Joe Biden say there in the opening about this election being stolen, whether it's by the uh, president or any of his acolytes around the country. Apparently, I'm not the only one uh, with such concerns. The Democratic leader of Florida's House of Representatives on Thursday said that urgent Urgent action is needed to secure the integrity of mail-in voting in Florida ahead of the November election, especially given an expected surge in absentee ballots this fall due to the coronavirus. In a letter to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who I'm sure threw it away immediately, House Minority Leader Keon McGee is asking the governor to coordinate with the U.S. Postal Service in order to, quote, get every vote counted. Some 30 percent of Floridians vote by mail in the uh, voted by mail in the 2016 general election. 30 percent this year, given fears around the coronavirus, that number could top 50 percent, according to McGee. I think that number could even be higher than 50 percent, as Florida is now one of a uh, a whole bunch of states which reopened for business too early, along with Texas and Arizona and Georgia, all battleground states, all of which are seeing coronavirus cases now spiking and uh, breaking records in the deadly bargain. McGee also sent a similar letter to Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney of New York, Democrat, uh, who chairs the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. They plan in a few weeks, so take your time, 
to hold a hearing on concerns about absentee ballot bottlenecks with a particular focus on Florida, according to a committee aide that NBC News spoke to. President Donald Trump, for his part, uh, who himself voted by mail, yes, he did so illegally, as we have explained in some detail on this show, uh, he voted by mail in Florida in this year's Republican primary uh, in, in Florida. He has repeatedly spread a number of falsehoods about the practice, tweeting that it is a, quote, scam, that it would lead to the election being, quote, rigged. He also suggested without any evidence at all that voting by mail unfairly favors Democratic candidates somehow. McGee told NBC News that, quote, there's a possibility that Donald Trump may, in fact, push to have the postal master restrict and or deviate from normal practices of the Postal Service, including by restricting the number of postal workers at key processing facilities or closing them altogether in Democratic dominated counties. McGee said there is absolutely nothing I would put past him at the moment. Well, I don't know about you, Desi Doyen, but neither would I. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's nothing that they've ever not been willing to do. The Republicans have not been willing to do in order to prevent people from voting. That's what they do. They do not want you to vote. And he is installing a new postmaster general and the uh, Postal Service is in big trouble, has been asking for uh, a bailout uh, because of all the lost funding they've had uh, from the lack of mail going out during the coronavirus lockdowns. Donald Trump, for the record, yes, he did vote illegally in Florida this year. He voted illegally. He committed voter fraud. He voted in Florida by absentee, despite having no legal permanent residence in the state of Florida. After he first cited the White House as his legal residence, on a Florida voter registration application last year. 31 days later, he took a mulligan and he applied again because if his legal residence is the White House, then no, he cannot vote in Florida. So he applied again. This time he specified a Florida address as his legal address, but it was the address of his club, Mar-a-Lago, which when the city of Palm Beach in 1993 agreed to allow Trump to change it from a residence to a commercial club, they mandated that it could not be used as a permanent residence, and Donald Trump agreed to that. And yet, that is where Donald Trump specified as his legal residence in Florida, which, in doing so, is actually a felony for which at least one legal complaint has now been filed and in Florida, by statute, when there's a, 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 a complaint about voter fraud, it must be investigated by law enforcement. But, you know, what is it with Republicans committing voter fraud in Florida? Former GOP superstar Ann Coulter did the same exact thing, as we reported in great detail about 15 years ago. You can see all the evidence of that, of her fraudulent voter registration application at bradblog.com slash fraud. Now, Donald Trump's new press secretary, Kylie... Kaylee. Say it. Kaylee McEnany. Thank it's you. easy if you think of the word ninny. Is that actually in the name? Ninny well, it's not is... spelled ninny, but it's pronounced McEnany. You sure? Close enough. Okay. Anyway, uh, apparently she did the same thing in Florida, committed voter fraud there. 
having voted by absentee ballot in the Sunshine State for years while she was an adult living permanently in a completely different state. All as she and Donald Trump continue to pretend that Democrats are committing massive fraud by absentee ballot. She and he did it themselves. Well, isn't that kind of what Republicans do? They accuse the other side of doing the thing that they're actually doing, that the Republicans are doing, that kind of projection thing? Yeah, that is kind of what they do, isn't yeah. it? In fact, uh, Republicans uh, are doing this a lot, it seems, in Florida, time after time after time, whether any, you know, whenever anybody bothers to check. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune this week, a Florida attorney wrote a letter last week to a state prosecutor alleging that the former Minneapolis police officer charged with murdering George Floyd while in police custody had, wait for it, voted illegally in Florida in 2016 and 2018. Are there any Republicans anywhere in the country who have not voted illegally in the state of Florida? Derek Chauvin is listed as having property in both Oakdale, uh, Minnesota and Windermere, Florida. Dan Helm, a Florida attorney and a candidate for uh, Pinellas County Supervisor of Elections, has asked Orange County State Attorney uh, Aramis Ayala to prosecute Chauvin for violating the state's election laws when he voted in Florida elections. Yes, apparently he voted in Florida, too. Helm, in his letter last week to the state attorney, said that the violation is a third degree felony. Yes, just like Donald Trump's. Orange County, Florida uh, voting records list Chauvin as an active voter. And you will be shocked to learn affiliated with the Republican Party of Florida. In an email, uh, Helm told the Star Tribune that he checked the county's voter file after learning that Chauvin had property down there. He said, when I learned Chauvin voted here to influence our elections while living in Minnesota, I was outraged. Uh, so I, Helm alleged uh, alleges that because Chauvin lived, worked and presumably paid taxes in Minnesota during the 2016 and 2018 elections, he could not claim residency in Florida thus making him ineligible to vote in the state. And again, thanks to Florida law, when there is a complaint regarding voter fraud in the state, it must be investigated. So we will be keeping our eyes on that story and on the story of Donald Trump, who also has now an official complaint against him for committing voter fraud in the state of Florida. Meanwhile, a uh, Trump campaign spokesperson responded to the uh, Florida House Minority Leader McGee's comments on uh, his concerns regarding uh, Trump and Republicans perhaps trying to restrict the number, number of postal workers at key processing facilities or closing them down altogether in Democratic-dominated counties. McGee called the charges, um, I'm sorry, a Trump campaign called McGee's charges, quote, an absolutely bogus conspiracy theory by Democrats adding that anybody reporting or sharing a story along those lines with unfounded claims is peddling in conspiracy theories. And you know how much the Trump campaign hates spreading bogus conspiracy theories. Am I right, guy up there, 75-year-old man up there in uh, Buffalo, New York, who uh, is still fighting for his life, has brain damaged after being pushed over onto the concrete by cops up there during the uh, uh, protests a few days ago, 
who Donald Trump said may be a member of Antifa? <sighs> anyway, with the pandemic making voters fearful of showing up in person to a polling place, voting rights advocates across the country now have called to increase the availability of absentee and mail-in ballots in, in many states. Florida is among the most important presidential battleground states. They have 29 electoral votes and a history of deciding presidential contests by razor-thin margins. And, of course, if Florida goes to uh, Joe Biden, that's it, pretty much. End of story. All she wrote. Florida already permits no-excuse absentee voting, but under state law, a mail-in ballot must be received by the supervisor of elections by 7 p.m. on the day of the election, of the day of the general election, or it will not be counted. Voting rights advocates argue the law disenfranchises voters whose ballots are mailed on time but may be delivered late, too late to meet the deadline for some reason. Democrats contend that any bottlenecks in the system could disproportionately hit Democratic strongholds in South Florida, including Broward, Palm Beach, Miami-Dade counties. Those are very populous counties. They have been main areas of the coronavirus outbreak in the state, meaning more voters than usual from those areas may wish to cast ballots by mail this year. McGee notes in his letter to the uh, to Congresswoman Maloney and to Governor DeSantis that, quote, a delay in processing vote by mail ballots this year could be devastating, throwing Florida once again into the national spotlight on an election night. And of course, slowing down mail service even by a day turns into thousands, potentially tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes in the state of Florida since they cut everything off 7 p.m. on Election Day. McGee is proposing that uh, a barcode be added to the absentee ballot envelopes, basically to allow voters to track their ballots and ensure that they were counted a number of states already do this, but apparently not Florida. And that would allow voters to track their ballots to make sure that they have been received at the county, and if not, give them the chance to go vote on Election Day. He says a tracking system is definitely needed in order to ensure, and to ensure democracy is not paralyzed. And by the way, that wouldn't just help Democrats in Florida to be able to track their mail-in ballots. More than 2.5 million people apparently voted by mail in Florida in 2016. That is alone more than the population of 14 states. And that was before the coronavirus. Moreover, in 2018, 54,000 more Republicans voted by mail than Democrats in the state, according to the Florida Secretary of State. So a barcode system would arguably help Republican voters even more than it would help Democrats. And of course, it's not just State Rep McGee in the critical swing state of Florida who has concerns about the, quote, bogus conspiracy theory that Republicans may do anything and everything to try and steal the election. It's not just McGee. It's not just Desi Doyen, but Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden you remember him. Uh, he recently said that his greatest concern, his single greatest concern, is that the president is going to try to steal this election. He was speaking with Trevor Noah on The Daily Show uh, the day after Georgia's disastrous 
primary election, which saw absentee ballots that were never delivered to thousands of voters, resulting in long hours, long lines to vote in person at polling places, which had been greatly consolidated because of the virus and because of the difficulty of finding poll workers who are willing to risk their lives. So that consolidation and those lines were largely in heavily minority areas of the state, of course. Here's Biden with uh, Trevor Noah. You may have respect and you may have people coming out in many places to vote for you. But as we saw in Georgia just yesterday, if those people's votes aren't counted and if those people don't get the opportunity to vote, then your entire campaign may be moot. So what is the plan up until November to make sure that people can vote, to make sure that everyone, whether it's Republican or Democrat, black or white, has the opportunity to vote without being in a line that's six hours long? It's my greatest concern, my single greatest concern. This president's gonna try to steal this election. This is a guy who said that all mail-in ballots are fraudulent, voting by mail while he sits behind the desk in Oval Office and writes his mail-in ballot to vote in the primary. This is a guy you have 23, I believe it is, states have passed over over, uh, 82 pieces of legislation making it harder for people to vote, harder. That's why we're putting together a major initiative of lawyers to go out and make sure that we're in every single district in the country to patrol this. We need, if I'm president, they, and this is what their worries. If I'm president, we're going to have same-day registration. The report was in Pennsylvania, they were still counting votes. We may not know, quote, this is the, the, the sort of implicit threat. We may not know who won Pennsylvania in a general election until a month after the election. Wow. What, what do you think that this is about with Trump? Hey, let me ask you this, and I know this is a strange question to ask an American politician, maybe easier around the world, but have you ever considered what would happen if the election result came out as you being the winner and Trump refused to leave? Yes, I have. And I was so damn proud. Here you have four chiefs of staff coming out and ripping the skin off of Trump. And you have so many rank and file military personnel saying, whoa, we're not a military state. This is not who we are. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House with great dispatch. Well, we will see. That was Joe Biden on The Daily Show this week. Uh, For the record, a Quinnipiac University poll in April showed Biden leading uh, Trump by about four percentage points among all voters in Florida. So, yes, Florida is very much up for grabs this year, and this stuff matters. His promise, Biden's promise of a major initiative of lawyers in every jurisdiction, well, that's a promise we have heard from Democrats before. And I will uh, I'll try to ask my guest Ari Berman of Mother Jones about it in a moment. But Democratic Party attorneys have been more aggressive this year than they have in previous years in filing lawsuits in advance of the election this year. Happy to see that in order to try and force more access to uh, absentee ballots. But it may not be enough, as the Washington Post editorial board uh, warns this week, after a shambolic election two years ago and several examples of poorly run primaries leading up to this week, one might have imagined that Georgia would have been better prepared for its Tuesday primary vote. Instead, polling places in and around Atlanta were swamped and lines stretched for hours as poll workers struggled with new voting machines. 
Georgia's experience confirmed that the coronavirus pandemic combined with the sort of election day incompetence that has for years been a sad fixture of American democracy threatens the integrity of the November presidential election. Unfortunately, they write, many Republican politicians continue to manipulate voting rules for partisan advantage, exploiting the pandemic as an opportunity to suppress voting. If Republicans fear that more people voting hurts them, and Donald Trump has expl ex explicitly said that this is the case, the honorable response is to change their candidates or their policies. Instead, the party seeks to impose more electoral disasters on people who should feel nothing but fed up. Well, a lot of us do. And I suspect the Republicans are not going to either change their candidates or their policies, at least until voters do it for them. As to the same-day registration that Biden mentioned, he imagines he'll be able to adopt as president if he is elected and if he is allowed to serve. Well, that won't help voters this year. But even in states which already have Election Day registration, that won't help them get an absentee ballot before Election Day if they need to stay away from the polls during the pandemic. Moreover, even states which have automatic voter registration at the DMV well, that won't help voters in states where the DMV has been shut down due to the virus or in states where there's no online voter registration. That's still the case in, in many states around the country. In fact, while many Democrats may be encouraged about their odds this year, given Trump's plummeting approval ratings, those Democrats should be very concerned about the difficulty of seeing new voters registered at all this year since the arrival of the coronavirus has all but shut down third-party registration drives and automatic registration programs around the country. That story and Ari Berman, who appears to be at least as concerned as me and Desi and The Washington Post about what we are all likely to see in November, that's next on The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. It has been a rough couple of weeks for Donald Trump and his Republican Party as polls, polls show that Americans are more concerned about the police response and Trump's response to the police killing of George Floyd than they are to the mostly peaceful protests that we've seen around the nation and the world over the past two weeks demanding reform to the systemic and institutionalized racism built into our policing systems. The good news for Republicans is that despite the deaths of more than 110,000 Americans from the COVID disease, the coronavirus continues to wreak havoc in our primary elections and almost certainly on the never more critical general elections set for November 3rd. 
Just one of the reasons many top Republican officials see the coronavirus as potentially helpful to their fortunes was detailed in a new study by the Center for Election Innovation and Research this week. In recent months, the survey finds several states have experienced a remarkable decline in their new voter registration numbers. The trend, they observe, is especially notable when compared with new voter registration numbers from the months leading up to the last presidential election back in 2016. The center compiled official new voter registration data for the spring of 2020 and compared them from figures from the same time period in 2016. Among their findings, voter registration took a major hit as the coronavirus outbreak began, according to the survey of 13 states. Several of them are key battleground states on both the presidential and senatorial levels this year. All 13, all 13 saw a decline in their new registrations in April when compared to the registration numbers in April of 2016. 11 also saw lower registration numbers in March. The dip came after all 13 states had bested their 2016 registration numbers in January. So things were looking good as of January. And then came the coronavirus. And of course, I say looking good. I mean, looking good for those who, you know, believe in voting rights and democracy. And then they started looking good for Republicans who don't seem to believe in voting rights or democracy. After January, that uh, good news uh, for voting rights advocates came to a sharp end when the lockdowns from the coronavirus struck. This report looked at voter registration data from Arizona, California, Colorado, Delaware, the District of Columbia, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Maryland, North Carolina, Texas, Wisconsin, and Virginia. And in all, it found virtually the same thing, that the pandemic has hobbled typical registration opportunities. Trips to the driver's license office and other governmental offices, an activity that the lockdowns have limited, are when many voters have traditionally registered to vote. The report notes that several states in its survey had, since 2016, implemented an automatic voter registration system that stood to boost registration numbers out of DMV interactions. But without those interactions, the automatic voter registrations do not kick in. The center reports that the practice of automatic voter registration at DMVs has added millions of eligible Americans to their state's voter registration rolls in recent years and should have led to this year's new voter registrations overshadowing those of 2016. But all of that may now be derailed. Additionally, the center notes the in-person fieldwork done by third-party registration groups has also been scrambled by the pandemic, though some of those groups saw hopeful signs of increased registration activity around the recent Black Lives Matter protests. The decline in registrations is particularly troubling as election officials prepare to scale up absentee voting operations for the pandemic. While some states offer Election Day registration, that will do little to help potential new voters in states which plan to proactively mail absentee ballots or ballot applications to already registered voters. The effectiveness of those efforts depend on the rolls being up to date and for voters to not only be registered, but registered at their correct and current address. 
Of course, that is just one of the new battles that is now being waged by voting rights advocates across the country in the wake of the pandemic and in the face of a GOP, which, according to Ari Berman in the new July-August issue of Mother Jones magazine, is looking for and finding new ways to prevent voters from being able to cast a vote at all this year. Those efforts appeared to pay off this past week in Georgia as hours-long lines forced uh, voters disproportionately in heavily Democratic and heavily minority districts to wait in line for hours. Lines that stretched around blocks and blocks in the heat and humidity and thunderstorms after thousands of requested absentee ballots never arrived in voters' mailboxes, leaving them with the choice of losing their right to vote or risking their lives amid a pandemic to exercise that hard-fought right. But long lines are a problem that is neither new nor even unique to states run by Republicans. While the hours-long lines in Georgia were exacerbated by poll consolidations due to the virus and a brand-new, unverifiable touchscreen voting system and electronic poll books, all of which failed in many jurisdictions, the week before, before Georgia, we saw similarly long lines, uh, for example, in Washington, D.C.'s primary. And before the pandemic even struck out here, on Super Tuesday in Los Angeles County, the nation's most populous and arguably most democratic uh, jurisdiction in the country, we saw similar long lines that voters were forced to wait in all night long thanks to unverifiable touchscreen voting systems and electronic poll books that were deployed for the first time as well. As in Georgia, the new systems were a disaster for voters as they failed across the county, leaving voters online until after midnight here in L.A. County, where polls had also been consolidated even before the pandemic. By and large, however, where Democrats fail through incompetence and poor decision-making, Republicans, as our guest earlier in the week, election integrity champ Marilyn Marks, a Republican herself, noted, Republicans often do this by design. Joining us now to discuss just some of those GOP designs this year, as detailed in his new report at Mother Jones, headlined How the Coronavirus Handed the GOP New Ways to Squash the Vote, is Ari Berman of Mother Jones, where he is a senior reporter covering voting rights, as he previously did at The Nation for many years prior. He is also author of the landmark book, Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America, documenting the decades-long minority fight to register and cast a vote in this country, a battle which shamefully continues to this day. Uh, it has been a while, Mr. Berman, but welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. Listen, I, I want to be sure to cover here what, what you fear most about this November's critical election, and I know that could be a long list, but also where possible, what citizens, what we the people can do to sort of help counter it between now and November 3rd. But let me start with the Center for Election Innovation and Research report, which you're reporting at Mother Jones, at least in Texas and in Mitch McConnell's Kentucky, he is facing a potentially tough re-election. Uh, your uh, reporting appears to confirm what the center found, that basically a voter registration groups, you note, are seeing a huge drop in new registrations since the pandemic this year? Yeah, absolutely. Registrations are way down because of coronavirus, because um, basically every group that does voter registration mm -hmm. in virtually every state 
had to stop doing that work, and also people didn't go to the DMVs and other public agencies where they would normally be registered. Mm -hmm. So the, the combination of those two things meant that in an election year, in which millions of people would be registered, there are hundreds of thousands of people that did not register who otherwise would have in these key states. And that may be changing a little bit now as people venture out a little bit more, um, as people attend protests. But by and large, we are still seeing a much lower rates of registration in 2020 than we otherwise would because of the pandemic. And even without the pandemic, uh, you note, for example, Texas is one of the states that makes it very difficult for third party organizations to sign up to sign up new voters at all. But to talk about some of uh, some of the way that they do that, it sort of uh, underscores Marilyn Mark's contention that much of this is by design and maybe why the state has one of the lowest, if not the lowest turnout rates in the country. Yeah, so what they do in, in Texas, Texas is one of 10 states with no online registration, which to me is so crazy in this day and age that you can't register to vote um, online. And then the, the second thing Texas does is they actually make people who register voters get deputized by the state. So you have to go to an official training. Um, that you have to be deputized every two years. You can only register voters in the county in which you've been deputized. Well, Texas has 254 counties. Wow. So if you wanted to register voters in 254 counties, you would actually have to be deputized 254 times. Some of these trainings were barely held to begin with. During coronavirus, there has been almost no deputization. So it's really, really, really difficult, even in good times, right. to register voters in Texas. And now it's virtually impossible when the only groups that register people aren't really operating. Some of them are starting to venture out now, I'm told, but also coronavirus is spiking in Texas right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't expect things to go back to normal there or pretty much anywhere um, for some time. So we are facing a very, very challenging landscape in which people who want to register for the first time or have to update the registration, they can have a hard time doing so in those states that don't have a good online system. Recently, a federal judge in Texas found that all voters, not just those over 65 years of age, which is an unconstitutional cutoff, in my opinion, that, but that all voters would be allowed to request an absentee ballot in Texas, uh, citing fears of the coronavirus. But the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, appealed that ruling. He threatened to criminally prosecute third parties who recommended voters uh, do so, that, you know, they, they request an absentee because of fear of getting sick and dying. And then he appealed that, and they got a very confusing ruling from the very right-wing appeals court there. Can voters under 65 in Texas now request an absentee ballot citing fear of catching COVID or not? Do we even know? I had a very difficult time understanding what the court was trying to say there, frankly. The, so the, the short answer is we don't know, because they made it um, extremely subjective. So Texas has the most ridiculous law in the country, in my opinion, which a few other states also have, which is that if you're over 65, you can get an absentee ballot for any reason. Mm -hmm. but if you're under 65, they make it incredibly hard to get one. You either have to be out of, t out of your county on Election Day in jail or... Um, have a physical illness or disability. Now, they are saying that coronavirus is not a physical illness or disability. That's what the Republican Attorney General is claiming. What the Texas Supreme Court said was that they agreed with Paxton that fear of contracting coronavirus is not sufficient of a disability. However, they said they weren't going to investigate whether or not people have that disability or not. So theoretically, 
this is a situation where that could happen. You could interpret that you believe this is a legitimate disability mm-hmm. if you're under 65. You could request an absentee ballot. You could vote by mail. Then the Republican attorney general could investigate you for voter fraud, for falsely claiming that you had coronavirus or fear of coronavirus when, in fact, you didn't. <laughs> so basically, the net effect of this is that if you're confused by it, if, I can, if, if I'm confused about it, <laughs> A lot of people are just not going to vote by mail because yep. they don't want to open themselves up to legal prosecution, which Texas has done very aggressively, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, a black woman in Texas, Crystal Mason, got five years in prison yep. uh, for voting on supervised release when she didn't even realize she was ineligible and her ballot wasn't counted. So I think you're going to have a really insane situation in Texas in November where if the public health situation is, is bad, voters under 65 are going to have a very, very hard time voting by mail, whereas anyone over 65 is going to have a very easy time voting by mail. And I think it's great that we're encouraging older people to vote by mail, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous that if you're under 65, Mm -hmm. it's basically impossible for you to vote by mail in Texas. I mean, that is so out of step with what people are recommending you do in a pandemic. It's also unconstitutional, according to a, a lawsuit that's been filed, uh, saying that it's a violation of, I think, the, was it the 24th Amendment that uh, allows voters... 26th o- Amendment. 26th Amendment, yes, thank you, uh, that allows people over the age of 18 to vote, and that restricting that to only people who are over 65, the, uh, the case argues, is a violation of the Constitution. I actually think they got a pretty good case there. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, uh, Ari Berman, you've been covering what's happening right now, right now in Iowa, which has been a swing state in previous years. They had a very successful primary election about two weeks ago as run by the state's Republican secretary of state. He sent out absentee applications to all registered voters. It went Reportedly, it went well, but now Republicans in the state legislature are actively trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, exactly. So Iowa was one of the few states where this process actually seemed to go pretty well, Mm -hmm. where they sent absentee ballot or request forms to people. Evidently, people got them, uh, requested their ballots. They had record turnout in the primaries. And then the Republican legislature, I think inspired by what Donald Trump and the National Republican Party is saying, basically said that they are going to prevent uh, their own Secretary of State, the Republican Secretary of State, who's popularly elected, Mm -hmm. from being able to mail absentee ballot requests to all voters, which is so insane. Number one, he's not sending ballots. He's sending absentee ballot requests. Requests. So how could that be at all objectionable? Secondly, he's a Republican. Third, he is popularly elected. So they're taking away from power from someone who's an elected, not an appointed official, um, which is so crazy to me. And this all happens, of course, under the backdrop of Iowa's competitive again. It's competitive in the presidential election. Joni Ernst, uh, the senator mm-hmm. uh, there, it looks like she is in a basically a tied race with uh, Democrat Teresa Greenfield, who was chosen as the Democratic nominee for the Senate, uh, the state legislature could be in play. And so they're panicking. And this is a really remarkable situation. I can't think of any other state where the Republican legislature is overturning the authority of the Republican Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only state that's doing that. But I think it's a really worrisome development, because in the primaries, there was a pretty much general consensus that at least sending out absentee ballot request forms was something that anyone could do. Mm-hmm. And you saw both Republican and Democratic secretaries of state um, doing this pretty much across the board. Um, now, 
if they don't do it for November, when there's so many more voters that are going to participate, including so many new voters and infrequent voters, mm-hmm. if they're not set at the very least absentee ballot request forms, I think they're going to have a very hard time figuring out how to vote by mail. Because as you know, in states unlike California, where you don't get a ballot in the mail, voting by mail can be very confusing, and there's a lot of intricate rules surrounding how to get a ballot and then to have, have it actually count. Yeah, and and that's a, a point that I wanted to make here and ask you about, because, you know, we well, let's go, go to Georgia. Uh, we've discussed it in some detail over this past week, as you might imagine. Uh, I'm wondering what you see as having gone mainly wrong there, because in Georgia, their Republican secretary of state also sent out absentee ballot applications to all active registered voters. And of course, active means whatever their Republican secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, I think, decides that it means. But it was a disaster. How uh, hopeful are you that we won't see a repeat disaster like that in uh, in Georgia? when the state is arguably up for grabs in the presidential contest for the first time in years. Well, I mean, I don't see how anyone could see what's going on in Georgia and be hopeful about November, um, given the colossal failures that occurred in, in this recent primary. And it just wasn't one thing. You don't have an election this bad when only one thing goes wrong. About four or five things went wrong. Mm-hmm. First off, the voting machines that you mentioned that everyone said they shouldn't buy didn't work well. Um, they didn't work properly, and people also didn't seem to know how to use them. So that was that was the first problem. Mm-hmm. Second problem is there was not nearly enough polling places. Uh, they thought that I guess everyone would vote by mail. Turned out a lot of people decided to vote in person, either because they wanted to vote in person or because they didn't get their absentee ballots in time or they didn't get them at all. Um, the third problem was there wasn't enough poll workers. Um, poll workers were sick or they were afraid. There needs to be many more poll workers in November, including a lot of young poll workers. Um, so that made lines longer. Um, the fourth thing is that they didn't seem to do a very good job of helping people vote by mail, uh, which is to say a lot of people anecdotally said they didn't get their ballots, um, or mm-hmm. they got them too late, or there was some issue or another. So it didn't go smoothly like it did in Iowa or some other places. So it was kind of one thing after another, but I mean, my takeaway from Georgia, um, the voting machine thing is a little specific to Georgia, and that they, they are one of the few states that bought new voting machines well, for 2020. Well, also, also think, Pennsylvania, also North Carolina, and then, of course, also Lo- uh, Los Angeles, but that's not a, a battleground state. I mean, there are uh, sure, so guess, similar so concerns there. I guess there's a handful of states that could fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to extrapolate from Georgia, though, is, um, number one, States have a long way to go to refine the vote-by-mail process. And I'm really worried that we're not going to do it that well in November, that one primary cycle is not enough, that you need one or more general elections in which everyone is using it to be comfortable doing so, especially in a situation with a pandemic where you already have election workers who are totally stressed out because of the conditions, that they have to process hundreds of thousands of mail ballots they would not have otherwise had to process mm-hmm. this is a normal election year. Then the second thing I'm really concerned about from Georgia is that we're not going to have enough polling places and enough poll workers uh, for November, because it's very clear that in most states there's going to be some sort of fusion system, that some people are going to want to vote by mail and will succeed in voting by mail, but some people won't want to vote by mail or they won't get their ballot in time and thus they'll have to vote in person. And there has to be enough polling locations, there has to be enough polling workers to accommodate that. What we've seen across the board, not just in Georgia, um, but in Maryland, mm-hmm. in D.C., 
in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. in Nevada, yep. but there have not been nearly enough polling places. In Nevada, there were three polling places in Las Vegas' Clark County for 1.1 million registered voters. <laughs> and, and that was a state where the Secretary of State actually sent ballots to people. So it was actually pretty easy to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. And still, for a lot of different reasons, people decided to vote in person. They either liked voting in person or they didn't get their ballots. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a complete disaster. There was seven-hour waits in Las Vegas. The last person voted at 3.07 in the morning. Really? Um, so <laughs> if we don't figure out how to both do vote by mail efficiently and also how to vote in person efficiently and also how to do this in a pandemic, we're looking at a possible and likely disaster in November. And that's really the scenario that, that worries me. And I was worried about this before Georgia, but now I'm a lot more worried about it after. Yeah, and I was worried about this before the pandemic, and now I'm a lot more worried about it uh, after. And I think people don't really understand how, they have no idea what an arduous process it is, actually, when you're dealing with absentee ballots. They do not seem to, the states, even those who are welcoming of this idea, don't seem to have the staffing in place to handle the incoming applications and the outgoing ballots. Uh, As I understand, Georgia outsourced uh, sending out ballots to a company in Arizona, as I understand it, adding to the length of time it took to get ballots back to voters. Uh, You know, I I don't know. Is there time and resources available between now and, well, I want to say November, but it's not really. Ballots go out in October, which means ballot uh, requests have to happen in September. So we're talking about just a few months from now. Do you have any sense that uh, states around the country have either the time or the resources that would be needed, even if they wanted to do this correctly? I think some states will and some states won't. It's going to be a very haphazard process in a lot of places. Based on what I've seen in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, that there's a, a extreme amount of work to do in a very short amount of time under very difficult conditions with not enough funding um, to do all this. And remember, Congress has only passed $400 million in election aid to states mm-hmm. in the first economic stimulus bill. Uh, there, I think, were two more stimulus bills. Nothing was in them. Um, finally, uh, Democrats uh, proposed $3.6 billion dollars in this HEROES Act, but it was too late. The Republican-controlled Senate's probably not going to do anything mm-hmm. on that entire bill, right. um, let alone on the election aid. And so states are running out of time. They're running out of money. Uh, their coronavirus is increasing in a lot of places. So I'm really, really concerned about vote by mail in November. That's why I think they have to have enough polling places, because all of yeah. these states know how to vote in person if they do it well. Like, people are used to voting in person in, in Georgia and all these other states. As long as they have enough poll workers and enough polling sites to make it easy. And so whatever the projections are of how many people are going to vote by mail, I would be very skeptical of those numbers, because mm-hmm. I think even if there's an unprecedented surge in ballots, there's still going to be a lot of people that are not going to get their ballots or just are not going to feel comfortable voting by mail at all. Because one thing we know from the data is that particularly communities of color, they're more distrustful of voting by mail. And so they're going to want to vote in person. And that's one reason why um, so many of the lines we saw in Georgia were in um, majority black communities, because those are areas that, number one, don't trust mail voting to begin with. Mm -hmm. And number two, uh, those are the places where polling places are always cut.
particularly in states that are controlled by Republicans, because they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. There's short lines in white neighborhoods, and there's long lines in black neighborhoods. And now they have an excuse to close down. Oh, we couldn't find enough poll workers, so we have to you know close down uh, precincts wherever we may feel we want to close down precincts. Ari, every uh, presidential election year we hear the Democrats will have an army of attorneys on the ground to make sure that people can vote and that their votes are counted as cast. Every presidential election year, I find that claim to be, let's say, greatly exaggerated from reality. Though this year, I believe uh, Mark Elias, the uh, Democratic Party's election attorney, has already filed suits in about uh, 16 states, I think, to sort of force expansions of uh, absentee voting in various ways. Joe Biden was on the uh, on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah this week, and he made a similar reference to this army of attorneys. You have 23, I believe, in the states have passed over over uh, 82 pieces of legislation, making it harder for people to vote. Harder. That's why we're putting together a major initiative of lawyers to go out and make sure that we're in every single district in the country to patrol this. Ari, do you have confidence, based on your reporting, that A, the Democrats appreciate the full scope of hellstorms that the uh, GOP will attempt to use to block the vote in all sorts of ways here, and that B, they actually have the apparatus uh, legally and on the ground to counter it. I mean, I think it, it, it remains a, a work in progress. I think that the Democrats and, and the other voting rights groups have gotten more aggressive legally. I think they have larger election protection networks than they have before. The problem is a lot of these issues don't prop up until Election Day. So, like, Georgia actually had a decent system in place where, as you said, the Republican Secretary of State was sending absentee ballot requests to all voters, which is not a, the, the greatest thing you could do, but for a Republican in Georgia, is not that bad. Mm-hmm. And the mail voting system still didn't work very well. And then also, there needed to be more awareness to begin with that there weren't going to be enough polling sites. And there needed to be more advocacy months before the election saying, keep enough polling places open. And so I think these conversations have to really happen now um, in in terms of, and and the demand has to be that you make it as easy as possible to vote by mail, which should mean mailing ballots to all registered voters, or at the very least mailing absentee ballot requests to all registered voters. And you make sure it's done efficiently and accurately, and there's enough workers to process this, but that you also make sure that there are enough polling places in all of these area so that people can vote safely in person. And this is not just something that you, I think you can litigate. This has to be done through advocacy and all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm just really, really wondering um, what's going to happen, because all of these states don't have enough election workers, they don't have enough poll workers, they don't have enough money. And so if they don't get those things, litigation alone is not going to be sufficient. Last question for you, Ari Berman. Um, what, if anything, can we, the people, as you see it, what recommendations do you have uh, for us to sort of counter the weaponization that you're talking about as uh, the GOP is weaponizing the coronavirus uh, this year? We can't just sit around and wait for political parties and attorneys. There must be something that we the people can do as you see it. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of different things that people could do. First, if I would volunteer to be a poll worker, if you're healthy enough and feel comfortable doing so, uh, one reason why uh, there's long lines and employee places are going to be cut is because they don't have enough workers. Um, That's one thing. Uh, Secondly, I would contact 
um, your secretary of state, I would contact your uh, state reps, and I would contact your local board of election, mm-hmm. because that's where decisions are often made, at the local board of election. And I would say, what is your plan for mail voting? How easy are you going to make it to vote by mail? How are you going to ensure that ballots get set in time? And how are you going to make sure that ballots get counted? Because all of those details really matter a lot for mail voting. Then I would ask them, what's your plan for in-person voting? And make sure that they have enough sites open. And if they're like, well, we're going to have like one site per county. Well, that's a disaster. I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing reports now that Kentucky is going to have one site per county that there's going to be one polling place for all of Louisville, mm. for example. Oh. Well, we know, I can, we know that's going to be a disaster. I can tell you right now there's a competitive Senate primary there. Yep. I can tell you right now, two weeks out, that's going to be an absolute disaster. One polling place for a city as large as Louisville. And so I think like citizens have to become involved here, yep. uh, and probably this is a year where you could open a new polling place if people volunteered uh, to open it, or you could sign up for a poll worker in ways that you probably couldn't before. So um, I'm hopeful that people are, are getting um, more aware. And I also think if you look at the system, what happened in Wisconsin made people a lot more aware of this issue. What happened in Georgia has made people even more aware of this issue. Um, the killing of George Floyd and the protests have put more emphasis than I've ever seen before on issues of racial justice, on issues of civil rights. Um, Voting rights is one of those issues. I think there's going to be a lot more awareness now than there was previously, and if we can transit that momentum into change, there's an opportunity to try to have uh, a reasonably fair and democratic election in November. As usual, it's up to we the people. Ari Berman is author of the book, Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. His latest article at MotherJones.com is How the Coronavirus Handed the GOP New Ways to Squash the Vote. Please go read it and please go follow him on the Twitters at Ari Berman. Hey, thank you, brother. Always great speaking with you, my friend. Thanks so much, Brad. I appreciate it. You bet. Okay, quick break, and we're back with, oh man, just a few more minutes left. So uh, maybe a song to take us out today. That would be nice. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, Desi Doyen, you're going to sing for us? Is that <laughs> is that the song? No. No? Oh, okay. Too bad. Instead, let's turn to uh, satirist Roy Zimmerman. We played him on the show before. He's got a new tune out dedicated to Donald Trump and his lies, calling for him to be voted away. We. White House, the liar tweets tonight. 
self-obsessed wing the liar tweets tonight he says hush you doctors hush reporters hush you science nerds Look, my ratings are through the roof when I just say happy words. Everyone can get a test. It's just the flu. It's a hoax like all the rest. A left-wing coup, we've got lots of PPE. The cupboard's bare, it's Obama's fault, you see. The bug stops there. In the country, the quiet country, no nurses sleep tonight. But in the White House, the full of shite house, the liar tweets tonight. Vote him away. <laughs> Vote him away. Roy Zimmerman. You can get more, of course, at RoyZimmerman.com. Thank you very much. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. Yep. Thanks to my guest today, Ari Berman of Mother Jones, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated. Always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. And in particular today, I want to thank those of you who have signed up for uh, monthly subscriptions of any amount you like. It really helps keep us going uh, month in and month out. So uh, thank you to those who have uh, recently signed up at bradblog.com donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Bradblog. I will see you there until I see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs> <laughs>